First and ten for the Oilers. Recovering that block kick. They're down to the Ram 22. Just the start of the fourth quarter. 10-3 Los Angeles. And here goes Earl Campbell. He knocked out. Robertson on his back. Knocked out. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, oh. They're going wild in Houston. Oh. Everybody's happy. I'm going wild well up Robertson. here. Beautiful running. Welcome to the Transatlantic Titans podcast. You are correct. I didn't use a bit of commentary from Sunday's game in that introduction. Um, had to go back to some, some better times, although possibly went back quite a long time. But there you go. Welcome along. Adam, Harry, Greg, Neil and Miles are all here. It's a lot of us. So welcome. How are we all? Good. Thank you. Well, good. Good, I suspect, might come down a bit. Um, <laughs> la- last week, we last week reviewed a defeat, and there were quite a lot of positive things to take from it. Um, I'm not so sure there are going to be as many this time. Um, yeah, went into Cincinnati. It didn't go well. Um, there you go. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we should probably talk about it. Um, I'm not going to go to you, Greg. I'm going to go to Miles because Miles is going to give us the other extreme of um, mood. So you start, you, start? The you start with the negatives and ends on the positives. Why are we starting with positives? I don't know. Because <laughs> it won't take long. Yeah, um, there you go. There you go. Corey Davis looked good. Um, Corey, that, that's the, if, if you're asking what I took from the game, I took that Corey Davis is very much aware that he's playing for a contract um, and decided that he can now catch a ball. Um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to say there's lots of positives. Offensively, we still look like we can score points, but it was just when you're relying so heavily on your defense to make a stop and it's not happening, it's a very tough game to play. And there's just so much lack of confidence in the building from what was. Like you said, a fairly optimistic defeat, if there's such a thing. You would have thought the way that we left Pittsburgh, the way we came back, it would have been like, all right, let's just... I mean, we were all talking about it. We were expecting Clowney to have his big game where he's going to come in, and he got, like, the biggest sack that wasn't a sack that I think I've seen in a very long time, where it's like, no one blocked him. He ran clean through. He would basically hugged Burrow, and yeah. nothing came from it. So, I don't know, to me... It, it's one of them games so we're going to have to really move on from it quite quickly and next week we've got to take on a team which are much tougher defensively and we've got to see how we do but I'm sure we'll get into that but it's one of them games where yeah we have to talk about it but I bet a lot of us don't really want to it was it was a game we should have won and we didn't we will we will get into the the upcoming Bears game later on in the podcast I've also joined um, by Ben Isaacs to give us a a Bears perspective and that that chat was much more positive than this is going to be. Um, but there we go. Harry, um, it's been two or three weeks since you've been with us. Um, sadly, we're not going to talk about the previous two or three weeks of you know, thumping Titans wins. Um, you've joined us on the back of this. Give us something else positive that we can we can take away, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks. It's been great to come back. <laughs> A week. I, I called this I called this one a little bit too early because I said I'm on holiday this week, so I've got all the time in the world to come on the podcast, and I wish I never did. Now, uh, <laughs> but no, it's uh, Sunday was just massively frustrating. Really, I think we 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 could have 
had a lot more control in the game than we did. And I think just game script kind of got away from us a little bit. And um, the one great thing from my point of view was that um, drive where we didn't, I think we passed it once, but it was an incomplete pass and we ran 74 yards down the field. Um, <laughs> it shows that when, when we're playing our, our type of ball, um, that we can be incredibly um, productive on offense. And um, the introduction of... Uh, the guy who was on the Texans practice squad beforehand, um, what was his name? The running back, war number 45. Uh, Foreman. 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 He was excellent. I think he was a, a big bruiser to go alongside Henry. And, and going forward, that's something I'd like, like to see a little bit more is that one-two punch with Henry and Foreman. Um, and then McNichols, again, in the passing game, was great as a pass, uh, sort of as a rush defender and a blocker but maybe didn't offer us much more than that other than a little bit of a change of pace but running running wise I thought we were great I think once the game got away from us a little bit I would have liked to liked of us to stuck through it a little bit more but we we didn't for whatever reason and um, we relied a little bit too much on random players and then special teams let us down which I think is something that you picked on last week as well and it's very unusual for special teams to be letting us down, especially in the punting game. And it's twice in two weeks now that that's happened. So we'll see what happens. Well, there's there's going to be some work to do roster-wise on special teams, unfortunately. Um, let's let's come back to that. Let's go. Let's talk a bit about the about the defense, which to me is the the biggest problem with Sunday. Um, Neil, I mean. There's the secondary. We know about the secondary, and we're we're partially addressing that with a, a trade just announced for um, Desmond King from the Chargers for a sixth rounder. Um, but yes, that's not performing. Um, neither is the pass rush against an offensive line that was second string on Sunday. Um, we don't have a defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, how how can we? Should we rank these things? I mean, what's the most important? What's the most critical area that needs addressing? It's not a simple question, is it? No, I just think um, I, I actually text me back to a tweet I read on Sunday from from Michael who came on our show, Mike Miracles, and it basically said he'd watched the film and and the Titans looked as if they were playing scared on defense rather than playing on instinct. Looked as if they were playing to play a mistake-free football instead of off the cuff and and trying to use the raw or natural ability to make plays. Uh, and I think it's I think it can't be understated how much a slot corner would help these things because if you don't need Kevin Bayer and, and Kenny Vaccaro to chase tight ends and the slot receivers over the middle, they can then obviously join in blitzers, <coughs> go after the ball, and play more freer, looser. And obviously the trade for Desmond King could help that. We've never really replaced Logan Ryan uh, as such. And I know we haven't had a full complement of corners on the field, but I think it's it's a positive step that we've made a move in that direction. And, and I'm not saying it's a, a fix-all or a, suddenly his defence is going to get back to, to uh, the levels that they were at in the playoffs last year. But I think it's a massive step in the right direction. And I think I think there could be something in that. I think we are we are playing a little bit more rigid and a little less sort of off the cuff. And I think when Jayon Brown's actually made some big plays, which harken back to last year where <clears throat> they were a gambling defence, a bend but don't break defence, a defence that had, 
had sell out to make a big play. I think perhaps maybe it's only Jayon Brown that showed a bit of that this year. It's, it's yeah, it's such a difficult question to answer. Um, I did the usual two minute video on Twitter on Monday morning, um, which probably got yeah 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 much less interest than normal, obviously, but. Um, somebody replied, and I'm pol- I apologise if you're listening, but I've forgotten who it was, and that's said, made the point that the exotic plays on defence, the 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 Dean P's, what he brings or brought, um, we seem to be missing that. So some of the, some of the corner blitzes and and, and things like that, um, and yeah, it's it's difficult because if you've not got it's one of the, it's a vicious circle. If you haven't got the personnel that mean you can trust trust them to pull out these plays but because you haven't got the personnel and because you're not calling the plays um they're sort of ex- exposed i don't know um greg have you got any better answers i'm not sure where i was going with that um but but yeah it's, it's essentially one thing helps the other doesn't it and if you if one thing doesn't work you can't you can't fix the other so easily yeah i mean look going in, going into the game speaking last week the main worry was around the secondary. We all thought that we were going to get a lot of pressure on Burrow. They had, I'm pretty sure, at one point, five different offensive linemen playing to the previous week. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain, or at least four. So you're thinking, oh, it's, this is a, a game you know, built for Clowney. But at one end, we've got Clowney, and the other end, we've got a clown who, who can't get anywhere apart from penalties at the moment. And Vic Beasley is, has got to be the biggest waste of money we've had in what feels like a number of years. He just doesn't seem to get anywhere near anyone. Um, I'm not sure what his snap percentage is, but for me, it just doesn't feel like he's, he's even that bothered. Clowney has been disappointing for, for the money that we've kind of paid for him. We've talked to in previous podcasts about him being a nearly man the amount of times he's got so close, but just hasn't been able to sack anyone. And the fact we're halfway through the season, or pretty much halfway through the season and he hasn't registered the sack yet. is a big concern. But that's a that's a banged up offensive line that we couldn't get near Burrow apart from that one Miles mentioned earlier where I don't know how he got out of it, but you've got to complete those kind of plays. And I feel like last year we were completing those kind of plays. Um, secondary, look, we're always going to struggle against Burrow because he you know he does sling it about, and any anyone like that, we're always going to struggle with the secondary we've got. And I think bringing King in is hopefully going to help that to some extent, but I don't think it's going to fix it because the bigger issue for me is still we don't have a defensive coordinator, we don't have DMPs anymore, um, we don't even have Dick LeBeau anymore. So you know we we might as well we, we're in a situation where Vrabel's obviously calling plays and with help from whoever else, Bowen, whoever else it may be, it's not working. And I don't think the scheme is working like it was last year and in previous years. I, don't, I think defensively, I don't think it's always been our issue for the last few years. Um, and but then there's also big players like Kevin Byard, who's feels like he's regressing and feels like he's not. Like maybe that's down to the players he's got around him or the scheme that whatever it is that's changed, it's not working for him. And that's my biggest concern right now. Again, they were 66% on, on third downs. I mean, I think the league average is, what, 40, I think someone said on, uh, over the weekend. That's still not good enough. Um, we, so we're coming back to the same things we talked about last week uh, and the same things we've talked about pretty much every week this year. Defensively, hasn't been good enough in any game this year. We put up a lot, they've put a lot of points on this defence, you know, whether it's the Vikings, the Jags, whoever it may be, have all scored over 30. It's only really Denver that haven't put a lot of points on us. So until we address the defence, until we get that sorted, 
I can't see this team really going anywhere. I mean, with the Desmond King is a a positive move. We all agree on that. Um, but yeah, the defensive coordinator. I mean, let, let's. Oh, I could do a quick straw poll. Uh, there's five of us here. Um, which of us thinks that we should hire a, a DC? Um, I'm going to vote yes. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty standard practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Most, most, almost every other team has one. Um, Harry, Miles, um, it's a, go on, Harry. I'd say yes, but at this point in the season, I almost think it's too late because <laughs> you, you need to get exactly. yeah, you need to get a DC that will marry up with the scheme that we already have, which is fairly hard to find. Um, and you need a DC who will understand the players. So unless you're promoting with within which I think they've tried to do with the outside linebacker coach a little bit um, and he, he's got some responsibility when it comes to play calling now um, I think his name was Bowen was it that you said earlier Greg I think he's the outside linebacker coach you can't really do much at this point so yes we should have one but I think it's too late to even bother now I don't know if that makes any sense if you want to if you want to win now you've got you've got to do something though. like and this team is built to win now, I don't think this team was necessarily built to. You know, we're not we're not building this team to say in three years' time we we want to win the Super Bowl. The players we've got, you know, Tannehill being the age that he's at, what's he now, thirty-two, something like that. You know, he's not. You know, we're not building him around or building a team around him offensively to win in three years' time. And defensively, we're kind of doing the same thing. One one person we haven't mentioned as well who's been a massive disappointment is Jonathan Joseph. I mean, he's an experienced guy. He's he's. 36 again and also you know he's another one who came in I still think he was brought in to kind of sweeten the clowny deal but that's not really acceptable when you're giving up the big plays that he's given up and is, is it are we had, yeah we could all pile in on Jonathan Joseph and his performance um the PI call early was the, the one that got me and you just look at look at somebody who's you know well he's he's, he's done it because he's beaten ultimately there um but are we sort of missing the point by mentioning the personnel? Yeah, we've got Adoree Jackson. Hopefully, he's he's sort of been week to week all season. It feels like but hopefully he's going to come back at some point. Um, yeah, we're we're picking up um, Desmond King, but I think there's there's kind of more to it than that. It's not just it's not just a case of saying well our our defensive backfield isn't as good as it was. Um, maybe. Clown, I mean Be- Beasley. You've mentioned he's he's not firing at all. Clowney's not firing as we hoped yet. I'm not. I'm still hopeful that he might. Um, is it just one of these things that? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm kind of floundering again because I don't. There's not one obvious answer, is there? Um, Miles, let's go back to you. I mean, whether or not we think we should hire a DC. We're not going to at this point. I'm almost certain of that. Um, how can or how can this team improve? How is it likely to improve and, and sort these things out if we're trying to win this season, which we have to be? Yeah, I, I've been describing the defense of almost being in a bit of a funk, with the exception of Beasley, who I feel like even when he gets out the funk, I don't even know if he'll produce at that point, but... We almost need to have like what teams used to do for friendlies, where they play a team from a lower division and absolutely batter them, just so they could get the confidence up. Which obviously I know is never going to happen, but we we almost well, need. We're that. not we're yeah. not playing the Jags again till. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair yeah. though, to be fair, a lot of people thought that was a Cincinnati Bengals. Exactly. There was a lot of people yeah. who thought, oh, this is a gimme, 
and that's yep. that's so it's you don't get those games in the NFL no. off the Jags. Well, so. I feel like we almost feel like a slightly like old and slow defense, and I know like Adore's not going to completely change everything, but I do feel getting Adore in, getting King in, who's going to be a fresh, sort of fresh pair of legs from a different area, can bring in confidence into the defense and. That's almost what it needs. Like you're saying, like it looks like they're almost everything that it's almost like they're being micromanaged by someone where every single thing they do, it's like someone someone's on the on the shoulder sort of checking what they're doing, make sure they're doing everything right, playing by the rules. And it's almost like they just need it where they can just go out and be themselves and just play defense and play as a team. It's it does look like they're almost I don't know, it's like they're almost like being held back from what they want to do. And I don't know if that's down to play calling or how it just the confidence is in the team, but to me, it just feels like a team that's just just lacking any form of, and I don't even know if confidence is the right word, but they're just lacking any form of like wanting to. I I I'd question if the people on the line want to get to the quarterback because half the time it doesn't feel like they're trying. It's like they'll push off or haven't made it past the offensive lineman, and they just stop. And then there's there's no there's no there's no one there to probably give them a right. Fergie treatment at half time, like they probably got last year. Oh, I'm sure when you look, Mike Vrabel's capable of that. <laughs> when you look at Vrabel on the sideline when we're losing, he just has the face of someone where it's just like, it's, it's just, I you get no emotion from him. And whether or not it's raging, he goes in and gives him the hair dryer treatment, it's like it's not working. We need we need fresh things in there. And I feel Adori coming back and King coming in will make a big difference. But otherwise, it's just a funk that they, they really need to. They always need to look at themselves in the mirror and realise that they're all paid athletes getting paid to do what they enjoy and go out and start making plays because at times it's embarrassing. And I mean, See, this, this is this is the thing with the, the secondary struggling. Um, you look at Cincinnati and the fact, yeah, again, we mentioned that O line. Um, okay, our secondary struggling, so we can't fire up those blitzes. So much exotic plays that Dean Prees brought us, we know that. Um, but even if we're not blitzing, we should still get, with three or four players rushing the passer, we should be able to get pressure against the second-string O-line. Fine, if we're playing the best O-line in the league, I'll forgive that. But when, well, we've made Joe Burrow, we, well, Clowney should have sacked him when that it just wasn't covered at all, that one play, and he managed to escape. And there was a, the Benny Hill play where about five or six players could have sacked him and he nearly got the first down. But other than that, other than that, he just had all day. That that fourth down conversion, where uh, he he could have gone to the sideline and asked for advice on where he could throw the ball, and yet he still had he still had five or six different receivers to choose from. It's just it was embarrassing. Um, it's not to say that you know Joe Burrow looks excellent, by the way. It's it's not as if we've you know we've been embarrassed by the worst in the league but some of the players around it might be I don't know, maybe that's maybe that's harsh um yeah we'll probably go around in circles a bit talking <laughs> talking about our defense um do we think well go on neil it just it just doesn't feel to me like it's like last year the, the calling card of our defense were like right it's half time stay within a score and then Pease will have a look at his monitor and he'll draw something up and he'll come up with a, a solution to all the problems that we've faced in that first half. It doesn't seem like a defence this year that can solve a problem. It seems like it's a defence that how it plays in the first quarter is how it'll play all game. Yeah. And it'll not it, it'll not stiffen, it'll not 
solve the problems. It'll not start doing things in a in a correct manner. It'll just be this is what you're getting from defense all day, and offense is going to have to score forty points. And to a loose positive really is the fact that the offense did play until the end because it must be really demoralizing to see that many third down conversions. So the fact that the offense was still trying to put points on the board like deep into the fourth quarter is is probably a, a loose positive if you're looking for one. And, and actually, I think looking at the first half, we I think we scored seven points in the first half. We had four drives. One was at half time when the clock was running out, so I'll kind of discount that. Uh, we had a missed field goal. Yeah, we've moved the ball. Um, we had an interception. From a, a goal to go situation. We've moved the ball. Um, I've forgotten what happened with the fourth one, uh, but yeah, it was. It wasn't as if we weren't moving the ball. Um, so yeah, it was seven points in the first half. It could have been a lot more. Um, the second half, two touchdowns again. Yeah, whether that's on the ground or in the air, getting the ball down the field wasn't the problem. Um, too busy think, chasing, though. That's the thing, and I don't think we're a team that wants to be chasing games. We're a team that want to take control of the clock and take control of games, especially when you've got a player like Derrick Henry. So you weren't able to utilize Derrick Henry in that second half hardly at all, apart from probably the beginning, because you're constantly chasing yeah. ten, ten. I think it's seventeen points even at one point. Like you know, you're just constantly chasing the game, so you're having to go down routes that we're capable of doing. We've shown that, you know, beat the Texans in a two-minute drive, and there's other games we've done very similar things to win to win games this season. But you don't want to be doing that. You want to just, you know, I actually looked at the time of possession, and and Cincinnati had the ball for just under 36 minutes. No one thought that was happening. Yeah. No one, no yeah. one had money on on Cincinnati holding on to the ball for 36 minutes. Um, well, so some of that was because they had the lead the whole game, and they're they're playing slower than we are. Yeah, and um, certainly in the, in the second half. Actually, it's it's one of those things though. We could, despite the defense playing as as it did, thirty one points. It was possible for the offense to overcome that. Uh, but you need things to go your way, and things have been going our way in some of the other games. Um, yeah, it looks like you can't. Yeah, you can't go thirteen and three with this defense. Doesn't mean you can't go nine and seven, ten and six, and make the playoffs, which is hopefully what we're, what we're still going to do. Um, a couple of things that went awry well firstly the officiating so there was the the adam humphreys hit um harry how does how does that not draw a flag um firstly well it's impossible for it not to really i think you look across the league and and certain decisions that are made uh officiating's been awful this week um in general but yeah that one was an awful miss especially when then Vicario gets flagged for a hit earlier which just to rub it in yeah yeah yeah, which wasn't anywhere near as bad uh definitely didn't have a fella laid out on the floor getting pushed out so yeah it was a, a frustrating thing and I think that's kind of when we or when I sort of still started to think that the game probably wasn't going to go our way no matter what we did so it's uh one of those the the one that hurt us more obviously that hurt Adam Humphreys and hopefully he's He's going to be all right. Um, he was knocked out cold, but luckily he was up on his feet fairly quickly. But the one that the decision that hurt us more was the um, interception at the end being chalked off. Uh, at, that, at that point, if we if score quickly, I'm not saying necessarily we'd go on to win the game by any means. A lot more had to go our way, but that would have been a huge momentum shift. 
that a bit like how the Pittsburgh game finished, where you felt it's just just one or two more things need to go our way to s- sneak this game. That that could have happened. Um, I don't. There's no there's no pass interference anywhere on that play for me. Um, the officials didn't even read out a number. Apparently, it was Malcolm Butler, but I didn't see anything. Uh, but yeah, we can't. It doesn't feel like the right sort of performance to blame officiating, although. Yeah, we kind of just did. Um, the other <laughs> thing that, Harry, you mentioned, um, special teams. So that horrible extra point attempt. Uh, we've had Brett Kern running around twice, two weeks in a row. This week didn't end so well for him. So we, I don't, I don't want to say we might end up with a different punter. I don't, I don't want to think about it. This is worse than anything. It's looking likely, though. Yeah. It's, and and we don't have a functioning long snapper at the moment either. To be honest, the whole, I think all I think all the special teams has been a bit of a mess in the last couple of games, and you know big plays were given up. I can't remember if it was from the kickoff or was it from, was it from a punt where I think they they moved it into their own territory. There was there was just and we haven't we just don't do that. Special teams is always pretty reliable. And you don't kind of, I mean, most of the time with kickoffs and punts, I can't just think, oh, they'll just get it in the 25-yard line, worst case scenario, and that's that. You know, I'll probably go out and get a drink, not really thinking about it. And then all of a sudden you realise, blimey, they're in their own they're in territory already. So it just feels like it's, but I kind of feel like that's, special teams is similar to defence. And if, if a defence is just giving up points or giving up big plays, can't get off the field, all of a sudden you've got guys on special teams who are coming in to, play defensive snaps they're probably not normally playing and it just feels like I don't know I think the offense is the only thing a bit like Neil said earlier it's the only thing really can take any credit the fact that they did keep going um, the fact that they were were trying to get uh, us out of the hole that we've got ourselves into because they knew that they probably could but yeah special teams has been really frustrating which is very unlike the times normally you'd say we're pretty solid there um, but yeah I, I don't see if if Kern is out, that will be. I mean, look, he can be a field flipper at the end of the day. So I think it will be a a bit of a loss for us. Um, and then with regards to Goskowski, I, I feel like this is something we talk about week in week out. But we've just got to accept he's going to be the kicker, and that, that, that I don't see that changing because, like we said last week, there's no one else who's better. It feels like we've got bigger issues than Goskowski at the one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But all of that said. The Tennessee Titans are five and two. You'd never know it from the mood of the last twenty minutes. So uh, it's it's not it's not all bad. We're going into Week Nine against the against the Chicago Bears, who have yeah, they're five and three themselves, but not. I don't want to. Oh, I nearly said what everyone's been saying about the they're not the best five and three team um, in in history, but that narrative has annoyed me, so I'm not going to fall into it. Yeah, the Bears. The Bears should be beatable, um, but yeah, the Bengals should have been. Um, Miles, tell us how we're going to stomp all over the Chicago Bears. Uh, I feel like I don't know about stomping. I want to come at it like my normal thing, but like I did it against the Bengals last week, and the phrase oh, "egg on my stop. face." You can't stop doing your normal thing. Where well, are we well, if you stop doing your normal thing? Well, I might as well. Obviously, I might as well we'll... just log off now otherwise um, <laughs> this is just going to be like depressing <laughs> <laughs> the, reason, 
reason we'll beat them for one is the fact that they've got Nick Foles in, who is a less mobile quarterback than Burrow that we've just dealt with. So for one thing, the team are going to have to really force getting pressure on the quarterback, and Foles is a much easier quarterback to pressure, regardless of the line in front of him. There's also been a lot of calls by Chicago fans that could Trubisky come in and do a better job, which is the most ridiculous question I think I've heard of 2020 with a lot of ridiculous things going on. Well, ben, they have uh, also... Spoiler, Ben Isaacs may come to that um, shortly. But, well, uh... I was going to say, yeah. Um, they have, in my opinion, yes, one of the best outside linebackers in Khalil Mack, but last week he was injured and I don't know how much he's going to be training this week. And I, I think we've all agreed that Alan Robinson is a very good wide receiver. If I was a betting man, I'd say we're going to win by a couple of scores, but Jimmy Graham will 100% score a touchdown. That's just for some reason how my, I've seen the game going. But defensively, they're a very strong team. That's how they've got to where they are on their defense. Offensively, they've got a couple of people here and there, but I'm personally more... If you'd asked me which game we were going to win between the Bengals and Chicago, I probably would have actually said Chicago. As optimistic as I was as, was to beat the Bengals. So ne- like negative, pessimistic of- Miles has got us winning by two scores. This this sounds like more where we need to be. Two scores Vintage. in a Simmons safe. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. The I, I sense there'll be more quality on the field when the Titans are on offense than when the Bears are on offense. Um, in general, um, Harry, how do you see it? Yeah, so I I, I do think that we'll win, and um, there's a couple of reasons. Their O-line's banged up. I know we said this against the, the Bengals, but hopefully, you know, take two and we've had a week to practice. Um, so that, that should help. Um, and also their special teams, you talked about ours, but um, I watched their game against the Saints and their special teams were just horrible the whole time. I think from kickoffs, they started within their own 15 three times. So, and they've got Cordial Patterson, who is by all means a great, great returner, but he just doesn't seem to be fitting in the team. Um, yeah, I think we'll win. I'd like to see us probably control the ground game a little bit more than we have. They've got Montgomery in the back, and I think he's a good runner, but I don't think he's uh, the churn up the yards and keep him going all day long. And with Foles and that quarterback, I, yeah, he's um, he's had his moments, and when he, he's quite a streaky quarterback, so I would like us to put a bit of pressure on him as early as possible, really. Um, potentially with a little slot blitz or something like that, because they like to roll out the pocket quite a lot as well, but we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, and then the only the only player that I think we should probably look out for who who hasn't been mentioned is uh, Mooney. I think his name is number eleven, wide out. He's quicker than quick, and if he gets matched up against Joseph, I'm, um, well, to be honest, I'm, I'd be worried if I matched me up against Joseph. To be fair, but at the moment, if if he goes up against Joseph, I think we could be in a bit of trouble. But no, I fancy us, and I fancy uh, fancy us to to stamp our, stamp our mark a little bit more than we have in the last couple of weeks as well. Out of the five of us here, any any of us that would lose a foot race against Joseph, do you think? Let's be honest, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be struggling there. Even, yeah, even, even against Jonathan worth. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me about half an hour to get down the stairs nowadays. <laughs> it, takes me, <laughs> it takes me about ten minutes to put an Ivis on when it's windy. I'm not about a race. <laughs> That's quite an image I've got in my head. Uh, <laughs> Neil, how uh, how are we getting on on Sunday against the Bears? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Well, I'm optimistic like you guys. I just think it's it's time 
Nah, it's not do or die, obviously, because we're five and two, but it's time to make a statement because I think a lot of people are doubting whether we have got credentials or whether we are among them elite teams in the, the AFC. And, and I think, actually, they're right to. I think if we, if we were looking at another team that were doing the same things we are, we'd all be saying that that team were were not a contender or were a fraud as such, as we like to say, say in this country. Um, but no, I think I don't think Falls is that guy that he were when Philly won Super Bowl. I think he looks ugly to watch from what I've seen of the Bears. Some of the interceptions he's thrown, his mechanics. and he, Like, like uh, Harris is very streaky. And I think, obviously, a, an ideal scenario for us is to... Is, for the de- for the defense to turn up and in- and falls to be so bad that Trubisky ends up in the game, I think we'll be on the on the right track if that happens. It's bad. If, it's bad when a team flip flops a QB like that. I mean, Tampa a couple of years ago with Winston and Fitzpatrick springs to mind. Where yeah, it doesn't do. You know, if you if you've got concerns about your QB. Um, doing that to them isn't going to help anything, um, but I don't, that's their problem. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm not sure the Bears are far off that situation. To be honest, mm. where where people were talking on Sunday. Okay, Greg. Are you, I, if you, I mean, they're, they're actually three quite confident people here. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that's uh, that, well, it. You won't know where be this is going then? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I look. I think. Um, their defense is probably one of the best defenses we've faced so far this year, um, which does kind of fill with a bit of dread because I can't trust our defense to, to keep them out because apart from Javon Wims, they've got no punch at all in their offense. So Hooray, we've been waiting for that. <laughs> um, so I think ultimately, yeah, ultimately, I think I just want to see I just want to see something different defensively. I want to see a few interesting calls. I want to see us try something different because clearly what we're doing right now just isn't working. Um, I don't think we will see it because I think Rabel's too much of a stubborn man to, to change anything up dramatically but I just I just want to see us just go out and, and, and do the occasional exotic blitz or try you know try something different. You've got kind of Foles a bit of a sitting duck in regards to he's not going to move out of the pocket. Um, not happily anyway. So put the pressure on him and put the pressure on him more than just thinking clowny and, and, and clown can move around and, and hopefully try and try and get him down because it hasn't worked so far this year. So that's, that's what I want to see. And then I think offensively, yeah, look, they're, they're a much better defense than what we've faced the majority of this year. So I think it's going to be a test to, to put points on the board. I'm actually expecting a really low scoring game, um, which is very much unlike us this year. I think we're, this could be a, a kind of similar to the, to the Broncos game where, you know, probably no more than than the teens for both teams but um i still think i still think we should be winning it i think if we've got any ambition to to push ourselves forward this year this is the sort of game we just need to come back and react and i like it when we play angry and hopefully the team are angry because they kind of got showed up on on sunday um so hopefully they'll come out angry all guns blazing and and surprise us uh based on the last sort of well based on last sunday but we'll see how it goes i think um i think it'll be tight I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a tougher game. Maybe some people, again, are probably thinking to some extent. But also what we've got coming afterwards as well. we still got to go, I think, in a short space of time, we've got to play Indy twice. And um, they seem to... Oh, we can, we can. I feel, weirdly, I feel like I fancy us against Indy at the moment. You fancied us against uh, against the Bengals, though. You said it was we all fancied us against the Bengals. <laughs> this, this Bears game is 
I think we're going to know a lot more after this of where we are because we've we've faced a few teams. It feels like that we've got high scoring offenses that defenses that you can score on. The Bears seem the opposite, so I think we'll find out a lot more about ourselves. Um, it might it might help our defense to you know, play against Nick Foles rather than you know, Joe Burrow or someone who could do a lot more than that. Uh, but we we will see. I don't feel that confident though. I think it's it's. Hopefully it will be like the the around the NFL podcast call it the wounded animal game. Um, that get right game be, or whatever. Yeah, it, exactly. And hopefully it will be that rather than just confidence shot. And I'd, I'm yeah, glad. I'd like to think that. I'm kind of glad we're at home as well. I feel like you have to be at what three home games on the bounce. I think to then go away and lose to come back immediately home, not have another road game. I think could be quite important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 quietly confident. Um, I kind of feel like offensively they've got nothing like what Cincinnati had, um, but obviously you know, defensively they're a much much better outfit. So we'll see. Okay, let's hear from from Ben Isaacs then, who will give us a well formed opinion of the Bears than anything we've got to offer. So yeah, here he is. Joining us now on the Transatlantic Titans podcast is, well, broadcaster, author, college football guru, uh, Chicago Bears fan, Ben Isaacs. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Um, I mean, where where do we start other than one of the best fights I've seen in the NFL in literally years? Um, Javon Wims, well, it, it just looked like an unprovoked assault. Um it transpires something happened about something like 11 minutes beforehand that um, may have wound him up. Um, well, he's firstly, he's not going to be there to face the Titans on Sunday. Um, I guess you've got very little defense for him. Well, you, th- you think that would be the case. No, I mean, what he did was really stupid um, because even if you think you're going to hurt someone, you know that, the flag is going to go against you. If you've been provoked and you hit someone, it's going to go against you. If you punch someone in the helmet, you run the risk of breaking your hand. And there is very little opportunity. I mean, you know, they wear helmets partly as a weapon, partly as protection. They are pretty hard. Helmet to helmet hits can cause a problem, but fist to helmet is not going to cause anyone any any brain injuries. So such a dumbass thing to do anyway. However... <laughs> However, and again, I'm I'm not defending him. He shouldn't have done it, and it was, it was very costly for the Bears. They didn't lose the game because of that, but it ended up costing them points, giving the Saints points, and you know it was a three point a three point deficit in the end. Yeah, yeah. But you know the person the person who provoked it all, the person who got hit, is known for being one of the biggest trash talkers in the game to the point that Michael Thomas punched the guy in the face. And got suspended. So his own teammates don't like him and want to punch this guy in the face. He's clearly a very punchable looking person as well. <laughs> so Michael Thomas, yeah. Michael Thomas punched him. Wims punched him. And Wims, Wims has got in trouble with the Bears before for punching a teammate. Punching a teammate in the helmet. He, print, he punched Prince of Mukamara in training camp in the helmet. So you've got Wims, who loves to punch a helmet, even though it's one of the stupidest things he can do, and Gardner, who just clearly is very punchable. So... <laughs> the perfect storm. Yeah. So when, 
so there is there is history, not just from that game, but from last season, where Garner was mouthing off to a lot of Bears players in a in a much more comfortable Saints victory. And I from, from my understanding is the Bears were out to get him. Now, fair enough if you think I want revenge on this guy, but it's not revenge if you just get ejected and it costs you like seventy-five thousand dollars. And when Wims punched him, he came away celebrating like like he had won this duel, like he had got the upper hand. Like how how dopey do you have to be to think that you won that? Like you lost spectacularly. Yeah, you may feel a bit of satisfaction that you got to just lash out, but you didn't hurt him. You got the penalty against you and you're fined and you're suspended and you may get cut from the team. But he was elated in that moment, which tells you how much pent up feeling yes. there must have been. Now, I was I was on um, the Nat Coombs podcast yesterday and I was saying I, and so. You know, I'm having a bit of laugh, a bit of a laugh about the women's situation. But I'll I'll say this that there's so much testosterone on an NFL field, yeah. and I went to a high school that was pretty rough. Like they tried to close it down. It would be on the news. It's since been on TV. I got having a TV series about it because of like how it got turned around into like a normal school. And I went to school with people who, if if you had beef with someone, then yes, you would wait. And you would find that person on their own and they would get sucker punched because this is the, certain people full of testosterone, full of anger. They're feeling that kind of the world is against them and they will take these cheap shots. They will use their anger and they will freak out and do stupid things. This is what Wims did. He's clearly full of testosterone. He can't control it. He can't make a sensible decision. It's He could have just made a late hit and at least he might have actually hurt the guy. Insane. Absolutely insane. <laughs> But it's also, in a lot of ways, absolutely hilarious and the most entertaining thing that happened in that game against the Saints. So the Titans, <laughs> and it was a good game. Uh, it was, Titans, it was. Won't, Titans won't have to worry about whims, but I would have said that even if he was playing. <laughs> um, let's probably move on from there. I mean, my favourite thing, well, before we do, my favourite thing was just the fact that he went for the first punch expecting a reaction, didn't <laughs> yes, get one, yes. and then paused for a moment. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to go again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Okay, how about the rest of the Chicago Bears? So five and oh. three, just like the Titans, having lost the last two. Um, there was, there's been this narrative around. I don't know if it's Twitter or the media or just this general thing of the Bears are the worst. They were the worst five and one team in history, supposedly. A lot of that seems to be coming from fans of teams that were nowhere near five and one. Um, mm. It's unusual, though, to replace the starting quarterback of a team that's doing so well or their records, record looks so good. Um, firstly, I mean, it's, it, presumably you'd agree it was the right decision to replace Trubisky with Nick Foles, or maybe not. Well, Trubisky, Trubisky hadn't been playing very well. And we were all quite surprised that he won the battle in training camp because... They spent a lot of money on Nick Foles. This wasn't a Cam Newton situation where they just were able to get him on a kind of a cheap sort of prove it deal. They went out, made a made a trade, paying him very well. So this was someone who was brought in to be a starter, not just, you know, a training camp battle. So when Trubisky got the job, it was like, oh, you know, maybe he's really improved. Maybe there were certain things in the offense that he didn't seem to have the football smarts to figure out before. And maybe now he does. 
And in those first couple of games before he got benched, he would, again, just be inconsistent. He would show flashes of things, but he would stare down receivers. He would miss open targets, but he would also do certain good things. He would still sometimes make some fantastic throws. He'd make plays with his legs. But it seems that they were just waiting for an opportunity to, to put Foles in, which they did against Atlanta. And, you know, he, he came back and he came back and the Bears won like Trubisky had done against the Lions, of course. So it's, it's not like kind of Foles was working miracles that the, that the team couldn't do with, with Trubisky. The thing is, Foles is a career backup. Now, Trubisky may, may, may never be anything other than a career backup himself. We'll see where his next landing spot is because I can't imagine he's going to be a Bear next season. But Foles is a career backup. And he shows that almost every single week. His skill set is limited. And unlike Trubisky, he can't provide a spark with his legs. There was there was a point, I can't remember if it was in overtime or right at the end of the game against New Orleans, where it, it, it opened up, a path opened up. And any mobile quarterback would have run on third down and made that first down. And he was unable to do it. And he didn't have the confidence in his running ability. And frankly, none of us did. But the gap was massive. I uh, Foles should not be the starting quarterback of this team. I think they would actually be slightly better off with Trubisky because he offers something different. The upside of Foles, it just isn't there. The He's clearly a much more intelligent player and he makes better decisions most of the time. But he's he's so mediocre. It is painful to watch. So I don't know if it was the right decision. Like, Trubisky wasn't playing well. But they were still winning games and Nick Foles isn't playing well. And it's they painted themselves into a corner now because if they decide to pull <laughs> Foles and put Trubisky in, then you are you are telling the world we have no idea what we're doing. And you're right about the narrative. The narrative was when they were five and one, when they were every single point along the way, apart from at five and three, it's like, oh, they are the worst team ever to have this record. And of course, most of the people who were saying that you say, to them, oh, who else is in contention? Uh they can't they can't name any of these bad five and one teams that are comparable. So it was nonsense. The games that they had won, they've deserved to win. The games they've lost, they've deserved to lose. But they had a much easier schedule at the beginning of the year. I'd said at the start of the year, I think they would be five and three halfway through. And I've been proved right there. It was it was the it was the run of games with the with the Rams, the Saints, the Packers, the Titans, that that's the toughest stretch and we're we're in that now and they're going to lose more than they win but it doesn't devalue the the wins they had earlier in the season they all still count yeah absolutely the bucks one sticks out for me you know that you know, you've beaten a good team um that's that's not just you know atlanta blowing a lead or anything silly like that um you know that's a le- legitimate legitimate win obviously against um some guy called brady uh, how far do you think the Bears will go. I mean, if if it whether it's presuming it's Foles who keep the who keep the job for the rest of the season, um, are they a playoff team? You know, um, five and three, you've got to have a good chance, you would think. Yeah, I mean, if they can if they can finish ten and six, if they can you know finish the the second half of the season five and three, which is which is doable. Um, if the Vikings stay bad, obviously they were good the other day, but if they stay bad, they've got two games against the Vikings, one against the Lions. If you're going to make the playoffs, those are three wins you should get. They've also got Jacksonville, which should be pretty easy. They, I think they can finish 10 and 6, and they will they would make the playoffs with 10 wins because of the fact that there's an extra playoff spot. I can't see them winning a playoff game, really. But having said that, they 
were in a position against the Lions where they shouldn't have won. They had to have a comeback against the Bucks as well. That was, you know, that obviously was the signature win. Um, so, because if they hadn't beaten the Bucks, because I I thought at the start of the season they would beat the Colts, but not the Bucks, and that the good teams they faced they would lose to. But they have beaten a good team. So if they do get in the playoffs, I think they will cause problems because they've caused problems for everyone except the Rams. That's been the only one really where I felt like they were just not in that game. You know, the, the Saints should make the playoffs um, and the Bucks will make the playoffs. And those are teams that could easily, you know, the Bears could be 2-0 and against those teams. But it's it's such a limited offense. It is a bad offense with bad play calling. And the defense has been really good. And yeah. one of the things that's got me is people when they've said about, oh, the Bears were lucky against the Lions, the Bears were lucky against Atlanta, the Bears were lucky, blah, 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 blah. In so many of those games, there were like pick sixes by the Bears defense that were called back. They've been so many defensive touchdowns. It's kind of a running joke at the moment. The Bears will score a defensive touchdown. It'll get called back. It happens most games. In, in the game against Atlanta, I mean, we all know how bad this Atlanta team is, but the, the Bears had two touchdowns in the final quarter taken off the board um, probably quite unfairly, that would have made it a much more comfortable victory. If anything, and this might sound crazy to anyone who hasn't been watching the Bears week in, week out, and if you haven't, then God bless you. I don't blame you. They've been awful <laughs> to watch. But if you've not been watching the Bears each week, you might think they've been lucky. If anything, they've been unlucky, believe it or not. it's Luck has not played a part in the Bears winning these games. And the defense has been unlucky. If the defense gets a bit more of those breaks going for them, then they will be perhaps the best defense in the NFL. They're not right now. They're up there. Any team that faces them is going to have a lot of trouble. They'll they'll cause problems for Tannehill this week. But I just think that the offense is so bad that against a good team like Tennessee, the Titans will be able to do enough on offense to give themselves a chance to win. I mean, I can imagine the Bears not scoring more than 14 points, and I would imagine that Tennessee will. So, did, I don't know if you were waiting for a prediction from me, but... <laughs> did you see the Titans' defense against Cincinnati? Uh, it, was absolutely, yeah, the... it was absolutely shocking, but I'd rather have Joe Burrow than Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, personally. Um, and, uh, yes, the Titans' defense was bad, but the Bears' offense is just... it's. If it's not the worst in the league, it is very, very, very close. It is, it's so atrocious, absolutely atrocious. They cannot run the ball, and it is not down to David Montgomery. They've got a beaten up offensive line, which wasn't playing well when everyone was healthy. And then they were not healthy, and then it really got bad. You've got a quarterback who just misses so many throws. You don't have enough depth at wide receiver. The tight end, Cole Komet, the rookie, is clearly talented, but he's not trusted. They, he does not get many targets. And you've got someone like Jimmy Graham, who sometimes will be a real weapon in, in the red zone. And yet in overtime against the Saints, he was wide open. The ball hit him on the hands and he just dropped it. He's He can't be relied upon. These are the things that will play into the Titans' hands with their, with their solid offense, that they won't need to score that many to win the game. I think it's going to be low scoring and it's a depressing Bears defeat as they start to trundle towards being 500 um, with an opportunity to make it back up towards the end of the season. Well, I'll, I'll take that with, I'll grab that with both hands, obviously. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of Bears fans will look at the Titans and think, I wish 
I wish we could do that. I wish we could have a consistent offensive identity. I wish we could just pound the ball. I wish we could have a quarterback who, although not spectacular, is just reliable and is making those good decisions and can move around if he needs to. I, the, this year's Titans are what Bears fans wish the Bears could be. They don't, they don't think, oh, I, I wish we could have Aaron Rodgers and I wish we could have a lot of all-pro wide receivers because that doesn't feel realistic. But what the Titans have done is quite pragmatic. It is realistic. They've got an identity. They've stuck to it. And I think they're better than a 5-3 and three team. Whereas, you know, the Bears aren't as good as a five and three team you would expect them to be. So you should be very happy. I mean, I don't need to tell you what you should feel about the Tennessee Titans. But if, if I was in your position, I'd feel like, OK, this is this is good. I mean, it's it's all relative. You know, we we were there for the, the Mettenberger years, the Jake Locker years. Yeah, right, we're, right. we're happy enough. Um, just recency, the immediate defeat didn't didn't look great in a lot of ways. Um, I'll take a narrow victory on Sunday quite happily. Um before I let you go, is there anybody that you know, the similar question that we've we've asked of every opponent this year? Is there anybody that we won't necessarily be aware of on the Bears roster that we should look out for? Um, you or was probably... that whims before last week? Maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, there's there's not been there's I mean I wouldn't say there's anybody who's been impressing me that I feel to me is kind of under the radar. Um, but my, my favorite player who I just feel is not getting as much publicity this season as he should, um, is Eddie Jackson, an absolute weapon in the secondary. He's a ball hawk. He hits hard. And at some point he's going to get the touchdown that he deserves. He keeps getting them wiped out and he perhaps would, would be getting more of that publicity if the, if the flags had been picked up. So I'm going to say, just keep an eye on Eddie Jackson. He's an all pro talent. He's one of the, one of the best players in the in the secondary in the nfl love watching him and hopefully i'll love watching him and i hope that by the end of the game against tennessee you hate eddie jackson <laughs> that he has completely ruined your day and uh, all the listeners will be like god damn it he was going on about eddie jackson and he was getting his touchdown so yeah i'll i'll say i'll say eddie jackson because no one truly under the radar has done anything for the bears but he's as close as we can get Okay, I'm obviously going to hope he'll save his pick sixes or pick six, which I believe the plural is, um, yeah. until week 10. But but there we go. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for coming on. Um, where can well, where can people catch your fantastic work other, other than the Nat Coombs show, which you've you've already mentioned? Um, I am a an irregular guest on the NFL show on TalkSport 2 on Sunday evenings. Uh, you can find me on at Tweets from Ben on Twitter, which is full of hot takes, moans about the bears and pictures of my new puppy. And she's a good uh, combo. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a winning combination. Um, And nflhistorybook.com to find out about my book that actually, if you've got Amazon prime, you can read for free and I still get paid for it. So uh, feel free to read it for free. (laughs) Because if you read half the book and you don't like the rest, then I get paid for half the book. I think that's a pretty fair deal. I can't argue with that. And if you love it so much, you read it three times, I get paid three times. So, you know, or even just, you know, download it to your Kindle for free and just spend your entire working day just pressing next page, next page, next page. Um, and then I could probably afford another puppy because they are goddamn expensive. Um, so, yeah, NFLHistoryBook.com. You can find what happened on every single day 
in NFL history. No one has ever tried one book before. And when I started doing it, I realized why, because it just takes so long to figure it out because a lot of the season uh, for the season, there's plenty, but in the off season, there's not always stuff. So it's, uh, there's a lot of very fun off season stuff and fascinating things to do with the history of pro football and how it's developed um, in terms of things like the USFL, the AFL and NFL Europe and all that stuff. So even if I do say so myself, it's a really good read, even if you kind of just dip in and out and decide, oh, you know, what happened on this day or what happened on my birthday that is interesting. There you go. NFLHistoryBook.com. OK, thanks ever so much. I guess November the 3rd is probably easier to write about than May the 12th or whatever. But um, yeah, yes. Yes. Um, yes. Check that out. Um, Titans fans, I'm sure there'll be. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like to think at least the Music City Miracle comes up. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. For but, a lot of days, a lot of days have multiple, uh, multiple events. And oh, hell yeah, the Music City Miracle is in there. One of my favorite plays in NFL history. I still remember I just I had just moved to London. Um, like a couple of days before or something like that and sitting there it was the day that I'd had cable put in so I could get watching the playoffs because I was desperate and like what am I seeing here so yeah even as a non-titan I I absolutely loved that Tennessee Titans team absolutely fantastic to watch what a wonderful season and I really was cheering the Titans on in that Super Bowl I'm still a little bit disappointed by that yeah, so, yeah, we, we all are. Um, right, yes, thanks again. Um, well, hopefully hopefully we'll have a, the win you described um, coming up this Sunday. Um, but other than that, we'll do the same thing in Super Bowl week and preview I that was, game. So I'll see you then. I was going to say the same thing. Yes. Oh, the world needs a Bears-Titans Super Bowl. Yeah. It does. Yeah, suck it, haters. <laughs> all right, thanks, Ben. Cheers, Adam. Bye. Cheers. Right, so thanks for thanks a lot to Ben for that. Um, he thinks there'll be a a narrow Titans win. Um, so, yeah, but you know, Paul last week thought um, there'd be a narrow Titans win. So who knows? Right, um, time for the most important part of the podcast, non Titans related. Um, Harry, it's been a while for you. Um, so yeah, you've this is your this is your opportunity. Get it off your chest. Thanks so much, yeah. To be honest, I don't really have too much to moan about. I mean, Aston Villa have gone from looking like they were going to be playing in Europe next year to looking like we're going to be playing in the Championship. But apart from that, (laughs) uh, everything's been all right. No, I think... um, I try not to make it COVID-related either, but for me, going to the pub after work is a huge little thing. Uh, I like going for a little... I don't go for many, but I'll go most... More days than not for a little cheeky beer after work. It just helps you decompress before you head home and you chat about the day. You probably watch something dodgy on Sky Sports at the same time. And uh, to go another month without that happening is going to be a bit rough. So I think I'll, I'll have to spend the day tomorrow making up for a bit of lost time uh, in the future. But uh, no, I think social media and stuff at the moment to do my head in as well with everyone having their nine cents on, on everything that's going on. And uh, I agree with a lot of stuff and I disagree with a lot of stuff and I think I'm just going to take a little bit of time out from from social media as well because it's there's no good stance to have anymore there's no way that you can on whatever it is whether it's covid government politics us politics sport anything you say one thing and you'll have 500 people say say something different or start arguing amongst themselves so 
Um, I just think at the moment, my rant basically is, is that social media has become awfully toxic and it's doing my head in and don't really know how to fix it. But yeah, that's my non titanated uh, rant. There we are. It's hard sometimes. I, I don't tend to offer when it comes to politics or I don't tend to offer an opinion on social media. Um, I'll, but it doesn't stop you seeing things that annoy you. And you want to respond to stuff, don't you? And you know, no, it's it's not going to end well. And you, it's um, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I can I, I couldn't agree more about the toxicity on social media in general. Um, but yeah, that's hard to control, isn't it? Just switch over to a transatlantic timeline. There's no toxicity on there. It's all all harmony. <laughs> well, then, then, then should we get into Titans Twitter? Because Sunday the world's going to end, and then Monday it's the best day of Titans Twitter's life for trading for Desmond King. But, yeah, all yeah. Neil, non Titans related. Uh, it's not really one that's amusing, or uh, it's, yeah, I suppose it's fairly serious, but I'm going to rant about FIFA again. Um, <laughs> because my, my, son's, uh, my son started playing it or, or showing a little bit of interest in playing it and uh, obviously we, we've, we've been playing a bit of ultimate team which i don't know if any of you guys play it but you basically buy packs of cards get football yeah. players better football players rubbish football players blah 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 anyhow you that go on sounds, sounds like pokemon to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway you go on you play your five matches where you place in your division and then you get put in a division and you play against other teams and Literally, I'm talking, game's been out less than two weeks. I think it's two weeks this Thursday it's out. And there's guys with unbelievable teams where, like, icon cards like Maradona and Zidane and, and stuff like that. And I'm, like, like nearly 40-year-old, and I'm, I'm <laughs> at the, the stage where I can look at that and think, that's not for me. I've got no intention of putting any money into that to make my team look like that. Because I like to think I could like I can control that side of my brain, but for a seven-year-old kid, when he when he goes on and he's, he's opening packs of cards and it's just a load of rubbish, and he and he's playing against teams that are like pretty much star-studded world elevens, surely that's like feeding into his brain, saying pay, pay to win, pay to win, go and ask your mum and dad for a tenner to buy these cards. It's uh, almost it's, it's like not... they do it deliberately. Yeah, and it, and it's not regulated like it's gambling though. That's the thing I Have listened you seen to. T four, I watched a thing on T four's YouTube, um, and they broke down how it's not regulated. And there's only I think there's only two countries in the world that have got some kind of age limit or warning on box. That's it. It's and apparently it's making nearly as much money as gambling now, microtransactions. But I could I've seen from because I've been self isolating because my sister had a positive COVID test, so I've I've like played on it a lot over the last couple of weeks and I've seen that how it could like talk to a kid in that way like I, I like to think I'm level-headed enough to think no it's just a waste of money but if you're seven or eight year old and all your mates are doing it I could I can understand why kids you see these stories in paper where kids have spent a thousand pound of the parents money on cards and stuff like that I think it's a bit naughty I would say is the word faulty think, maybe I it's a difficult one because you if you set your playstation up correctly so i've i've got a ps4 or our family does um if my son wants to play ultimate team he can't do it under his own profile because there's an age restriction um, yeah. so what's what's he do he, he plays it using mine 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've got it set up so you can't make it. You can't bill anything without a password or whatever. Fine, but and he he knows that. He he plays the ultimate team. Um, it does. It just. I don't like the fact. Like if if it was a game that you paid a fiver or a tenner for, and there's all these add-ons, then fine. I think well, that's. A lot of mobile phone games are like that, um, but the fact you pay, you pay fifty quid to buy FIFA, and yeah. then there's yeah something that's tempting you to spend more and more money. The pots they're limitless in what you can spend in Ultimate Team, isn't it? It's just it's I agree, I, mean, I agree it doesn't quite seem right. I had early access, which was like three days before it were released, and people had like teams with World Eleven players, Team of the Week players. Want to watch players? I'm thinking this game's not even released. How much are you spending, and and what does that say to somebody who, who's addicted to it that you're playing that can't afford to spend that money but does anyway? <laughs> I just think it, it's it's sort of really on my eyes last couple of weeks. It's really it's, it's on my radar now, as I say, as it never and it weren't before, but it is mm. quite um, clever in a way, but also quite sinister as well. So if you can find FIFA, sorry, sorry, mate. In Holland, they've just started a huge court case against it, um, against yeah. an ultimate team, and basically saying that it is a form of gambling. I think it's like a five five million or billion pound fine that they've got to potentially pay. Um, yeah, it's, it, is, it definitely is gambling. I mean, you, 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 if, you, if you put a fiver on an accumulator, you, you're not guaranteed anything back. If you buy a fiver's worth of FIFA points, same, you're not guaranteed anything back. Well, you, you're guaranteed just, nothing just, back in money terms, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, it's it's a game of chance, isn't it? I mean, even if you if by some miracle you pulled an amazing card, the only thing you can get is FIFA points, which you know they're not contributing to to your parents' loaf of bread and bottle of milk type of thing. No, no. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm going to jump in because it's a very linked. Um, not it's not a rant, but um, similar. Oh, well, for a similar reason, my son's been at home for nearly two weeks. Um, he's had a, a case in his class. Um, one of the other children has a, had a positive test. So he's been stuck at home for, throughout half term and this week. They can't go back till later in the week. Um, the entire time, he's not been able to play Minecraft because there's a, quote, known issue um, with the PS4 game. The game just won't boot up at the moment. And they're aware of it, apparently, working on it. No end date in sight. It's, yeah, two weeks of it's, it's such a first world problem, isn't it? Um, but the poor, the poor little guy is cooped up in inside. Um, yeah, you want him to be able to play one of his his, his favourite games, and he can't. So there you go. Um, whoever on earth makes Minecraft, um, get it sorted. <laughs> well, I plays Minecraft and Roblox and Fortnite, and every single one of them's got microtransactions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my, my son, my son, he doesn't play Fortnite. He's 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 got Roblox as well. Um, but yeah. no, he, do, he never pay. He never he's never allowed any of the add-ons. Um, there seems to be plenty of free entertainment on those games to to keep yeah. him quiet. He's got to do um, well on his spelling test for some Robux, Arshie. Robux is the call. He's got if he does well on his spelling test, he gets a fiver. That's about it. Oh, that's fair enough. That's a, that's a healthy reward, I suppose. <laughs> Is he into all the YouTube videos of people playing? Oh, definitely, yeah. Crying that could be an on-times all on itself, watching somebody else play a game on YouTube. I mean, 
Ah, this just don't come real for me, that. He watches a family in Australia who just have a YouTube channel playing these bloody games. And (laughs) they are the most irritating people on the planet. (laughs) Way beyond anything you can imagine. Yeah. All right. um, Miles, non-Titans related. What have you got? Yeah, I was on and on about a couple of different ones. I decided to stay well away from American politics, which is what I was going to go down and how English people shouldn't have an opinion. But they, um, So instead, I'm going to the more light-hearted subject of old people shouldn't be allowed to use technology. That's like, <laughs> for example, um, an iPhone. Uh, I know my dad's listening shortly because I've now discovered that he listens to the podcast to know how I'm generally doing in life with the non-Titans related, and suddenly the cupboards are packed full of Chris, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so I was going to mention if he's listening, I'm actually quite liking um, squares at the moment, so if he wants to get a few packs to them. In. Um, but my issue is is that constantly... I know I'm, I know I'm, I'm a son and I'm, it's probably my job, but you know what? Every single day you're getting a new question about something that, to, to me, is just like the most obvious thing. Like, when my dad discovered emojis, it was like, I don't know, it was just probably what I imagined was, like, when the Earth was created for something, it was just like, wow, this is incredible. It's like, to me, it just drives me insane when uh, people of a certain age start getting used to technology and Twitter. And, like, today they've decided to make a family WhatsApp group. And it's just, to me, it's just devastating. I'm, so, I'm, in, I'm in a WhatsApp group that contains me and my dad. And the name of this WhatsApp group is Adam. There you go. <laughs> Just dissect that. Well, it's just, to me, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like once you hit a certain age where if you have to ask a question to do something to do with technology, you shouldn't be allowed it. So, like I said, I know, I know you'll be listening to this in a couple of hours' time. Um, so you can enjoy me complaining about your lack of ability to use technology rather than what I want to eat on Sunday for the Titans game versus the Bears. <laughs> thanks thanks for listening, Miles' dad, we should say. Oh, and say, say hello. Yes, no, he's a big fan. We've now got a new section, which is basically Miles' shopping list. That's a new little section to the podcast. Oh, I, didn't think of a top, I needed a top tip for this week, didn't I? <laughs> Squares, <laughs> keep, keep technology from older people. There's your, there's yeah, your yeah, top there you tip. Go. If you're old, put it in the bin. Wow. Uh, okay, Greg. I feel your pain on that one. I'm like IT support for half of my family, so it's annoying. Um, mine's actually um, genuinely. You go to different websites to get your kind of news. Like obviously, you can go to Twitter and get the, the craziness in there, or you can actually go to like genuine, what you would say, news outlets, and you think you know they're just going to tell you the stories. And what's really annoying me is I tend to use BBC website quite a lot and BBC News for that. And what's really annoying me is they've just start, they just do really random, odd stories that do my head in. And the latest one I, I, funny enough, found earlier today was, apparently this is interesting and people want, must have to know this, is that Primark have seen pyjamas in and suits out during COVID shift. Like, surely that's just like a given, right? <laughs> people aren't buying suits, they're buying pyjamas because no one's going, well, obviously people, people have to physically go to work. Everyone's away from home. And those really annoying sort of like um, articles you get, which is like a rhetorical question of what can you do during during the late, during lockdown? And it's like, 
basically listing things you can't do and listing things you can do. And it's pretty much exactly the same as it's been since March. And all those kind of things just really starting to annoy me. It's like, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you just tell me the news. Don't, don't sit there telling me that Primark have seen jumping sales in pajamas. It's just, yeah, really, really grinding my gears. What they, what they should be selling are suits on the top half and pajamas on the bottom half about for their Zoom meetings. Exactly. Yeah, oh, I, I'm a admit... top that's like a tuxedo design. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've, had, I've, <laughs> I've had interviewed people at work recently for, for jobs that we've got going, and uh, I've like, interviewed people, and I'm sitting the whole time thinking, I really want to ask them, like, are you actually wearing trousers or are you just wearing pajama bottoms or something? And I can see how many of them actually are prepared to just be honest about it. Um, yeah, it's, it is a strange one, but yeah, I just. These, there's loads of them out there. There's loads of like, these rhetorical question stories that are not even stories. They're just someone who's just you know, basically doing a brain fart and thinks I'll put that on the BBC website. Just to really annoying. Have any of these people you've interviewed taken these jobs? You know, have you in um, your head interrogating them about their underwear and the, what they've got on? You have to be steady with how you how you phrase it, obviously. <laughs> and say, show us your underwear. Yeah, that's that's a HR problem I really don't want to be involved in. Um, yeah, but- the Greg Greg Kett um, sexual harassment case. Yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna go down well on Glassdoor, is it? Um, no, I, I think um, I think uh, I don't know. It's just you get quite a lot of them. You kind of expect it in newspapers where you get like the riffraff of, of tabloids throwing out loads of random scaremongering, clickbait tactics. But when it comes to genuine news outlets where you actually just want to know the news, I'm not really interested in stupid stories. So. Primary. I was Sky for the same reason. I, I, I read Sky News a lot, and if you just read their headlines, you you literally need a boatload of antidepressants. <laughs> if you just if you just scrolled down headlines and never clicked on any articles and and just read their headlines, you, you'd think that well, obviously, the world isn't it? It's all it's so all of them. You think it would have a lot darker. They're all as bad as each other. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. I'll just you know, I'll default to the BBC and I don't really know why. Most yeah, of it neither. annoys me. Me neither. Yeah. Although I've just seen on the homepage of the BBC website, they've got an entire section for the US election, including a little graph showing how many uh, how many states, how many votes that each uh, party's had. I'm like, why, why are we making such a big deal out of this? It's the BBC. I'm, I'm hyped. Oh, you, you stay up I'm out for it. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna stay up, but I'll probably stay up till about midnight. It's one o'clock. Watch a bit of it. Is there so, a game uh, forty yeah. that I can download in the morning? It's <laughs> <laughs> The five the five minute highlights will do me for that one. I think. <laughs> well, I've seen a lot of uh, English celebrities and stuff today, though, giving it the uh, vote. Please vote. Please vote. And I'm thinking, you're English. <laughs> With a fancy I'm not sure. I'm and stuff like that. I'm not sure. Whether a high voter turnout helps Biden or Trump, so because I don't really know, I don't want to say say anything. Hopefully, they're screwed up. Yeah. Right. Well, um, by the time you listen to this, you may know who won the the U.S. election. Um, you may you may even know whether the Titans beat the Bears on Sunday. But yeah, if if that's the case, you need to be listening faster. That just about wraps up. Um, another week of the Transatlantic Titans podcast. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Harry, Miles, Neil, and Greg. And we will be we'll be back next week. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.